Hello and welcome to the Essential B2B podcast, brought to you by Lead Forensics. I am your host, Joe DiCaro. I've got another slightly different episode for you today. This episode is the audio taken from a webinar that we previously ran entitled Getting Past the Gatekeeper. It features a conversation between Lila Waite, Chief Marketing Officer for Lead Forensics, and Matthew Hall, Sales Leader for Lead Forensics, as they gather expert tips from across the sales spectrum to help you get past the gatekeeper, to reach more prospects, and to enable you to engage in many, many more valuable sales conversations. There's a lot to take away here, so get your pen and paper ready, take some notes, you're going to really like this one. So please enjoy this episode of the Essential B2B podcast. Matt, what do we actually mean by the term gatekeeper? So quite interesting here, Lila. I spent a little time of thinking and doing a bit of prep for this. And I did some research offline, which hopefully is a good thing to do. And from many different sales coaches out there, loads of people have different terms for the gate or for the term gatekeeper. And I've tried to string together my own little version because, again, I'm trying to give my own view on gatekeepers today rather than just trying to string together what other people or what other content is out there online. So from my point of view, the definition of a gatekeeper is an individual that stands between you and the prospect that you're trying to reach. Now, a thought that someone has mentioned to me is they also can be an influencer within a buying decision and they also can be a buyer. So we have to really treat them with the utmost respect. If we're rude, I believe that this can be passed on to the decision maker that we're trying to speak to. So we must treat them very well. So that's my view of what a gatekeeper is. Yes. I have a number of gatekeepers in my team, but they are absolute influencers. They come and tell me who's called for me and, you know, what the tone was. I'm like, you're absolutely right, Matt. If it was not the right tone, if they were a little bit upset by the person on the other side, then that message gets to me as well. So you're, you're absolutely right that they can be a, an influencer just as much as a little bit of a barrier that we need to overcome. Absolutely. Um, in that regard... Important are gatekeepers in the sales process? Yeah, gatekeepers are super important. And I think over my sort of sales career, I've learned that a lot more because I'd love to say that I get through a gatekeeper every time, but that's just not true. The gatekeeper is there to serve a purpose, to almost potentially block any unwanted calls from a decision maker that we're looking to speak to. Now, through speaking to gatekeepers, they are a library of information. Like they can pass on to us things like email addresses, decision makers, hobbies, or they can let us know what their company is doing at the moment. We really can build relationships with people, with these gatekeepers. And my thought is every time that I have a call and speak to a gatekeeper, I go on with the mentality that they're there to help me upgrade the data that I currently have on that business. So whether it's getting, I don't know, an email address or a phone number or the next availability slot that decision maker has for me, I'm using every single call possible purely to either book the demonstration. That's number one goal. I'm here to book the demonstration, not become friends with the gatekeeper itself. Or number two, my priority is to upgrade the data set that I have for that organization. So they are super crucial. Yeah, absolutely super crucial. 
So even if you actually don't get the results that you want initially, you leverage the information that you're able to obtain from the gatekeeper to then help with future calls and future conversations. So you're not actually, so you're actually looking to build a profile from every single conversation that you have with them. Is that right? That's absolutely true. Yeah. Because the reason being, if we think about call one, we may be confronted with this gatekeeper, which by the way, they're not monsters, they're people. We're just here to have a conversation with them to try and help them leverage our way through to this decision maker that we want to speak to. By upgrading bits of data, whether it's, yeah, as I say, a phone number or an email address, that will support our way to eventually get hold of someone that we want to speak to. Because, you know, maybe they may be blocking us because the decision maker is busy. Maybe they're blocking us because the decision maker has actually said, look, I do not accept any calls that are unsolicited or I've had no previous correspondence with. So by getting that extra bit of information, like an email address, maybe we can start using some tools that we have available to us, whether it's a video email, whether it's an email, a testimonial um, of a business that we work with very similar, but we can send that information directly to the person that we wanna speak to, which helps our next call because on our next call, we can say we sent the email to the decision maker, they've responded, I just wanted to have a follow up with them. So it's really crucial that they are part of that sales process to help us upgrade data or put us through to that right person. Okay, so it's not just a case of trying to get past the gatekeeper, it's actually also trying to leverage that gatekeeper, your longer term success as Absolutely. well. And I do know that the gatekeepers that I have, particularly on the phone, will message me sometimes and say, Lila, this person has called for you six times now. I'm fed up with taking this message for you. <laughs> and I'll get pressure from my gatekeeper to actually uh, take that call as well. Tenacity as well. I know that will come a little bit later, but I know that my gatekeepers get annoyed with me as well. Just an, another thought on that as well is, look, if we do speak to and we get some form of relationship with that gatekeeper over a period of time, Look, we may be trying to pitch to the owner of the company because we feel that's the right person that we need to speak to. But over a period of questioning and speaking to this gatekeeper, we actually may find out that it's someone else that we need to speak to in the organization. And by having a good relationship, speaking with authority and asking the right questions, they may be able to support us to get to that right person that we need to speak to, which in the long run will save us a lot of time. Okay, so they might say that you're actually asking me for this person, but if you build a good relationship, they might actually give you insight that even though you're after this person, actually, this is who you want to be speaking to because that's the decision maker on that particular thing, not them. So actually, they could help you to realign your target according to the feedback that they provide you with, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, okay, good. So why is it that gatekeepers present puzzles to sales professionals so often because they, like you say the term gatekeepers doesn't really do people justice because we are they are they are humans and um, it's their job a lot of the time they're um, fielding calls and various other things for very busy people and so why is it that they present the hurdle what is that kind of I guess what is that uh, objective that they're given why is it so frustrating for sales professionals yeah so from my own perspective, I've found it frustrating in that I have a very important message to deliver to a like a decision maker in an organization of why, in our example, lead forensics is so important to them. And I, in my gut, know why lead forensics is so important to any business to business company out there. 
But if we think through a gatekeeper's role, they have been requested by their boss to basically filter out anyone that has been or not been given authority to call and book a meeting or whatever with that individual. So really, it's quite simple. They actually have been told, I do not accept calls from unsolicited people. So that I say it's the hurdle. Yes, it's a, we need to think of smart ways to train ourselves like an athlete would if they were looking to do hurdles themselves. If we stumble at them, we will fall. We need to train on how to overcome them, think of different approaches, try different approaches and keep going, keep persevering because it's too easy to give up too early on. And persistence is, is really key but not persistence that we're going to annoy the person that we're speaking to, just persistence in maybe trying different avenues or different ways of getting through to that decision maker. Okay, super, move on. In terms of that then, how can sales professionals understand those motivators of the gatekeeper and use that to gain a greater understanding to then be able to build upon those, those relationships? How can the sales professionals understand the motivators of those gatekeepers and kind of walk a mile in their shoes to figure out the things that are actually going to help them to be put through to their, their decision maker? Again, listening over the past few days, just purely based on this webinar, I didn't realize how much resource there is out there to get this real understanding. Within two podcasts I did listen to, literally over the past two days, I spent about two hours listening to it. And I feel here, many salespeople have that fear or put that fear in that gatekeepers are monsters, I think it's been said on many different websites and things. They're literally monsters and we should be scared or worried about talking to them, which is crazy. Like they're human beings, they're doing their day-to-day -day job like I'm doing my day-to-day -day job trying to put or position lead forensics to all these companies. But we need to think of them as this influencer to potentially become a buyer. If we just take our focus off, it's a cold call, or oh, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna pitch this? What script shall I read? Actually, if we just think through that every call that I make, I'm going to be speaking to someone that can help me influence this buying decision. We suddenly take or change our mindset in the calls that we make. So we just need to change our focus, I think, on a day-to-day -day basis of monster to influencer. Now, these people that are taking calls, they may be taking tens of calls per day from maybe robot sounding, scripted salespeople and probably 99% of salespeople can come across in that way because they're going on with the wrong mindset, they're going on with the wrong script, they're going on unprepared. There's so much resource and facility for us all out there to actually go onto a call with some like real strong determination that I'm gonna use this call to understand this gatekeeper to get them on my side to help me get the buyer on my side so we just need to change our approach change our mindset that every time we speak to someone we need to make sure that we are helping them become a influencer 
for this buying decision. You know what, that's really interesting. Yesterday I was having a call, particularly relating to the US market, and just the amount of noise that is in the market from various organisations, there's so much email, there's so many people trying to get through. You're exactly right, Matt, when you say that there are tens of calls to that decision maker every single day. And I think, and actually this comes on quite nicely to my next question is, You've got to stand out, right? You've got to stand out from the crowd. Like you say, if you're just, if you just have that scripted kind of put through to terms, and what's it about? It's about this. You're just going to get the same robotic response that every other person that has called that day. So I guess you've got to find what makes you unique. What makes your pitch unique? What makes your offering unique? But also what makes your pitch unique to that gatekeeper so that they actually consider that they want to put you through to the decision maker because it's either they know it's been really interesting or you've been relatively humorous or you've given them the time of day how can you get that quick and immediate rapport built to to stand out above the tens of other calls that are happening every day and I think that the business landscape is so busy now there is so much noise that if you want your little voice to be heard, it's got to be different. So I think that's I think that's a really good, great point. And I think that, like I say, it segues quite nicely onto my next question, which is, Matt, have you got any hints, tips with regard to building that rapport? How do you stand out? What's your kind of, I know that you do a lot of reading about this sort of subject. What have you learned about ways to build that rapport quickly? Because you, you have got along. Yeah, for sure. So if we think through this whole sales process that we're doing on a day-to-day basis, I'm thinking my first call that I make, I've never spoken to the gatekeeper and I've never spoken to this decision maker before. Now, my number one goal when I get onto the phone is to book the demonstration or book a meeting with this decision maker. That's my number one goal. Now, something that I've, I tend to lean towards is, yes, I can try and build some rapport on the first call with that decision maker, sorry, with the gatekeeper. But what I don't want to do is spend too long talking to them because it will come across that I'm here to sell a product or service to that company. And I haven't spoken to that decision maker before. So actually what I try to do is I position my first call as I'd like to speak to John. I've done my homework, John, the decision maker or Sarah, the decision maker. Could you put me through? Yeah, that's my first positioning. Now, if they're not comfortable or they cannot put me through, my rapport is built at this point. If they say that the decision maker is busy, I may push once more, but I'm not going to ruin my relationship build with the decision, with the gatekeeper at that point. I will trust them and I will say, great, what time are they available? And I will build my rapport in that way. I will give them the respect that they deserve. Now, asking the gatekeeper's name. So when I then have that next call in a week's time or whenever that decision maker is available, I can then talk to them. Hey, Hey, James. Hey, Sarah. Thanks very much. You said that I could call back in a week and speak to John. Is he available? That's how we build rapport. Remember, we need to be focused on we're not really trying to build huge amounts of rapport on the first call with the gatekeeper. Our main number one goal is to get through to that decision maker. We want to book an appointment. We want to book a meeting. But I think our stage two from my and again, this is my personal experience, Lila, 
for me, it is about booking the appointment, stage two, getting some information that we can build some really fantastic rapport on our second call. That's from my experience, and it seems to work. I seem to have good first and second stage calls with organizations. So you're almost building a pipeline then. So you're almost just using that first conversation as a, as literally you've just opened the door. You're not trying to shove your way through the door and barge past everyone to get there. You're just opening the door and going, oh, is it convenient time right now? But you're building your pipelines later on. How does that work? Because I know that there are a lot of people that come into sales, particularly from in an FDR capacity, for example, where there's pressure on dials and call connections and that sort of thing. And obviously, if you're actually saying, do you know what? Use your first call to just politely open that door and your second call, you can leverage your first call as a hook to try and help you. Do you find that then actually by using that double-pronged approach, you get maybe less, less connections on that first call, but actually you're boosting your number of connections further on down the pipeline? Would that be right? Absolutely true, yeah. And if we think like Generally speaking, if we're talking or trying to get hold of a decision maker, maybe they're busy on the phone or they're in a meeting that day or they're on holiday for a week, whatever that that reason is. So all we're doing is we're pushing that booking meeting within a one to two week time span. But we've just got to understand if we start really pushing these gatekeepers that we want to speak or the decision makers that we want to speak to, we push this gatekeeper, we are losing rapport. We are losing rapport and we are being like the... 99% of other people that have that goal in mind every day to hit five demonstrations booked or ten, and just pushing so hard that you're actually losing more opportunities than you are gaining. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes, my answer is we need to push. We need to know where that sort of balance is. We absolutely do. That is done with time and experience, listening back to our calls, maybe opportunities that we don't get the second call booked in. We should go back and listen to that. And did we push too hard? Were we? Did we come across slightly rude? Did we not listen to the gatekeeper and say, they said call back in a week and we take that as gospel. But here's another thought on that, Lila. We need to make sure that we do follow up on that at the right time that they ask for. So if they say in a week or two weeks time, make sure we do it. Make sure we do. Because again, from my experience managing teams, managing individuals, Again, in a lot of cases, we don't follow up at the right time that we've been requested to. It's very important. I think that's I think that's really important because you, everyone is so busy now, right? That everything can seem immediate, especially if you're in sales and you're you're questing after the right now. It can be really easy to be short-term focused, and I guess you need to have. And so you're just focusing on your dials that day, your connections that day, the conversations that you've had that day. And then actually the next day it becomes a new day. But actually, I guess if you can have really solid pipeline management in terms of being able to build up your follow-up calls over time and keeping active, robust notes about when is the right time to follow up with that opportunity, you're much more likely to get the result that you want. But pipeline management is really hard. Like you're not going to be able to do that just on a spreadsheet. Well, not very long, are you? You're not going to do that just on a... So I guess you've got to be using tech to help with that that sort of thing. I've worked in sales myself, but I'm guessing you wouldn't be able to do pipeline management on a spreadsheet. 
Actually, it's a struggle. As soon as we start getting into making hundreds of calls every single day, yeah, a spreadsheet is really not going to suffice. Absolutely. Yeah. And just as another thought is here, like organization is like really key in cold calling. Like it really is key. Whether it's the start of our day when we're prepping our data or whether it is booking a call in and then following up with it. And again, I think mindsets of a lot of salespeople out there, we we're always trying to get the quick win. How can we get that really quick win? Do we just send hundreds of emails? Do we just put hundreds of LinkedIn requests out there and hope for the best that someone will at some point engage and say, oh, by the way, my product just broke, so your timing is perfect. Absolutely, that doesn't happen every single day. Sales would be far easier if it did. We need to make sure we're building those relationships on these calls so we don't hinder the opportunity and also burn data, Lida, as well. If we're too harsh on the first calls, we're too scripted, we're not building any rapport on call one or call two, we will burn through our data and it can be hard to come. Yes, so what you're saying is to, rather than do a spray and pray approach, is to intelligently build your pipeline and then it becomes like a almost like a flywheel it might take time to build at first but then once yep. you've got it it just rumbles on its own steam is that right absolutely right yeah yeah spot on good right so let's move on so what's the best way to enter that conversation so is there any particular research that should be conducted beforehand any snippets of information that can help you with that conversation yeah, really interesting thought in this one. And this is quite a big conversation point in a lot of webinars and coaching companies out there that talk about this conversation that we're supposed to have with gatekeepers. And if you spend $199 today, you will learn the best one liner ever. And if you spend, do the five string sales approach to this, and we'll support, to be honest, from my personal preference and what I've learned and I've been successful at this is is actually do some research, find the person that you want to speak to, speak with authority that you want to speak to that person and almost be expected to be put through. That's from the way that's worked for me. And as I say, I have made good sales. I've spoken to many gatekeepers and I've got through multiple times. Named terms speaking to a decision maker is where you need to be. We have the time, we have the manpower, we have the technology out there to be able to get decision makers' names. It's super straightforward getting CEOs' names. Even if you don't have a LinkedIn account, you could go to Company's House and find people's names. There's so many different ways that you can get decision makers' names that you want to speak to, and you should be asking for. So we need to do our research. Yes, absolutely. Like my suggestion to everyone listening on the call today is in your mornings, your preparation and research is absolutely critical you should be thinking about how many calls you're going to make in a day some businesses it's 100 some people you know it's 200 you need to make 100 in the morning 100 in the afternoon whatever your number is before you start you should be cleansing and you should be finding out 50 to 100 opportunities named job title that's what you should be doing every single day morning and afternoon, two stints, because you're gonna have a great batch of data of asking for named individuals that will give you authority when you speak to these gatekeepers. So the conversation's gonna be fairly small, and that's what you're hoping for, because again, your number one goal is to book a demonstration or book a meeting with this decision maker that has the influence to, to buy. So for me, 
it's keeping the conversation small but being quite direct in what I say. I think that's really good. I get lots of emails and calls that kind of come into us to say, oh, can you put me through to whoever heads up your marketing function? I am super easy to find on LinkedIn. In fact, I'm super easy to find if you Google me. The fact that I'm getting these people try to reach out to me without having done any research at all, I'm just the person that heads up the marketing function. Straight away, they're on the back foot compared with those people that have done some research to find out that at least my name, even if they don't necessarily spell it or say I don't mind, but at least find my name out and to execute us for those people who put in little snippets of information about me or about the business um, that are quite topical or might be on high on my my agenda because that just attracts my attention straight away. Everything else just say filter, filter through straight away. Yeah, and for sure. And here's just a thought on that as well. Can we just pop back one? That's all right. I've got to at some point plug lead forensics. I'm going to. Callers beware. Conversation with the gatekeeper. So I don't know if everyone on the call today knows what lead forensics can do, but something I have found, if I'm doing in the morning a normal cold calling session where I'll pick out 50 businesses that I've never spoken to before and I'm pitching out to a, gate, a gatekeeper saying, can I pop me through to John or Jane, head of sales? I'd like to talk to them about new business. Whatever our sales pitch is, we have no idea that company needs our service at the moment. We don't know their issues. We don't know what they're looking for. We are literally going in cold, hence the name of cold call. Introduce lead forensics into the mix. An example that I've got is if, for example, a business that sells commercial furniture had a visitor to their website and they had lead forensics tracking on that website, I don't believe that someone would be looking for commercial furniture for fun. Like that there's no real reason to visit a commercial furniture website unless they had some need or requirement. Now, if I knew that information, I then spoke to the gatekeeper and I said, hi there, I'm ringing from ABC Furniture. You guys have got a requirement at the moment. Can you put me through to research name? Insert here. Do you know what? They have a need at the moment and you're going to get through to that person because you can help them. You can fulfill their requirements. You can fulfill their needs. So by introducing a product like Lead Forensics is going to help your cold calling abilities tenfold, absolutely tenfold. And I think at the end of this call today, you're going to give people the ability to look more into Lead Forensics. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they can, everyone on the webinar has the opportunity to, I think it's a two-week trial actually, for free of Lead Forensics, but I'll come on to that in, in more detail a little bit later. Great. Let's move on. So what if you get stonewalled by the gatekeeper? What do you try? You try to build it. Should you give up? Should you just move on? Is it a numbers game or do you, or should you persist? Okay. If you get physically stonewalled, my question would be is have you tried all routes? So whether it's phone calls, emails, LinkedIn requests, videos, have you tried all routes to get hold of someone that you need to? Have you tried different times of day? This is quite good as well. If we think about this gatekeeper that we're talking about, I'm sure at some point in the day they would be allowed off their desk to go and have lunch. So it might be worth trying at a different time of day because we'll get someone else to speak to. Maybe someone that's not as trained as much to fend off these salespeople that are calling. So we may get better hit rates if we call at different periods of the day. So we just need to make sure that we're trying all these things and regards to giving up, at some point, 
if we get to that point, we've tried every single av avenue, we need to make or weigh up whether our time that we're spending is bringing us a return. Because if it's not, then we must move on. Like we must move on. We can't be scared of losing one or two bits of data because there are other businesses that we won't be speaking to when we're trying to chase this one up. But I did have a thought for you for this. When you first asked me to come and talk about getting past the gatekeeper, I was actually going to ask you if we could change the title. Because what I thought about, and this is how I spend more time rather than getting through the gatekeeper, is actually how to avoid the gatekeeper. That's my go-to, is that we have so much technology and so much, so many different companies out there that are able to facilitate phone numbers, names, email addresses with direct contact of decision makers. That actually, if our time is better spent using those technologies to get hold of those decision makers, we hopefully won't need to get stonewalled because we'll be speaking to the right person on the first call. Mm. So my number one go-to would be, let's not even speak to the gatekeeper. Avoid the gatekeeper. <laughs> Avoid the gatekeeper. <laughs> I think that's fair. Okay, so how important is mindset? I think that's a massive thing in sales. Sales has to relentless. It's one day, you have one good day, and then you know, you've got to repeat that over and over again. It can be really tough. So. How important is mindset? Yeah, mindset is so important. Like you, we're in sales. Like there are there are easier jobs out there than sales, especially with the peaks and troughs that we all go through, whether it's pitching out a large value contract and we get a yes or a no, or whether it's just our day-to-day -day role is booking demonstrations for people. We go through peaks and troughs of excitement and also of very sad times when we're not we're not reaching decision makers that we'd like to so for me it's about starting your morning like starting each day fresh and again it comes back to this starting well by cleansing our data so what we should be doing is when we get into the office having that mindset of i'm going to make sure i have the best data set in front of me for every single call that i make because i know i'm going to have better conversations with key decision makers that I want to speak to. So going in every single morning fresh is absolutely key. I believe that we need to listen to podcasts. We need to listen to go onto YouTube. There's so much resource out there to help us with our day-to-day -day job. Like if the good news is we've got 110 people on here at the moment, Lila. So my thoughts are we've got 110 people that are actually wanting to upskill themselves. They want to be better in this getting through the gatekeeper and they're willing to commit an hour of their time to become better, which is absolutely fantastic. So I'm saying that all you guys are wanting good mindsets of being able to jump on calls every day and be the best version of yourself. Something that I do is I've always got in my brain my best ever week or my best ever month and it's something that I always can fall back on knowing that I have and I always will have some really great results that I can just go do you know what I am good at this job I've done it before and I can do it again so just knowing day to day to that your data stats day to day is key is absolutely crucial because it's something that you can fall back on
it's like someone that has won a gold medal in a few years time if they think oh i'm no good at running or no good at this sport or this sport they can always fall back and go do you know what i absolutely am i've been the best in my field in this i think it's quite key to build in small victories day to day so we can always focus on the big victories in, in cold calling getting past the gatekeeper and booking the demonstration it can be actually booking the demonstration that makes a victory on the board that we work in the team or environment but I taught my teams to make small victories of even upgrading the data set that you've got. So these calls that you make, if you can upgrade your data, that should be a victory for you because what you're doing is you're progressing each opportunity further forward. And again, that really helps with mindset. So even if you get a no on that call, you know you've got positivity out of it because you've increased your data set. Celebrate, celebrate. Celebrate, celebrate. absolutely. Yeah, correct. To keep that mindset in check don't let yourself get bogged down and actually statistically it takes a lot of cause to actually connect and a lot of salespeople will give up before and there's loads of google sales stats and things like that there's loads of stats out there about just how many times it takes to to connect and how many calls you have to make before you actually get connected and actually the disconnect between how many times a salesperson will actually do those calls so if you can be that one or two percent of salespeople who are really tenacious because you've got your mindset in the right place, then you're absolutely going to be streets ahead than everyone else. And and like you say, Matt, everyone on this webinar today is obviously willing and to, willing to learn and open to hearing new ideas. And hopefully, some of the points here will be useful. But that's kind of like the first step, isn't it? Is just get that mindset right, but understand that you've got to set your expectations in the right place as well. Correct. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. Because like we, we can end our day and we can say, do you know what? I booked two appointments and I got 50 no's or 100 no's or whatever that is. But actually, if we flip that mindset and we go, do you know what? I booked two or three appointments and I've upgraded 50 or 60 bits of my contact data to make my next call even easier. It's exactly the same data. But what you're doing is you're having a positive mindset in it to say that every call that you make, you're pushing it further and closer towards booking that vital meeting. And that's the reason why we make those calls. I think, I'm not sure if everyone can see the right slide deck. I think, I think we might be stuck, but we're going to carry on anyway, just with, in the hope that you can see the screen about tone of voice. Tone of voice. What about tone of voice? Why is that important? So tone of voice, is, as I mentioned, I think in a previous few slides, we talked about that first call and then a second call. Having like good tonality when we speak to a gatekeeper, we really want to be coming across like that we know the person that we're trying to be put through to speak with authority. The second part of tonality is also portraying that you have something super important to explain to this business and explain to them why the product or service that we're offering can absolutely change their business overnight. And you should come across with heart and passion and a want to get through to someone because you need to share it with them. Like uh, Lila, every call that I make about Lead Forensics, I have a strong, it's in my blood that I know if I speak to someone, I need to speak to them and I'm going to explain to them how great Lead Forensics is. And I believe that and that comes across in my tonality on every single call that I make because I believe it full heartedly. And, and I'm going to throw it out there. If people can't have that genuine tonality of this call could change the business that you're about to speak to overnight. My question would be is, 
do you actually believe in the product or service that you're offering and do you believe in the company that you're working for? and if not there are many businesses out there that could probably support you but you need to you need to believe that the calls that you're making you have a reason to and you need to get that message across yeah, I agree. And I think also that when you're on the phone, particularly, it can be really difficult to express emotion. And we, within, you know, within my marketing team, we call certain members of our team like sunshine yellow people because they just have positivity in space. You can just hear in their voice that they're happy today and that they're looking at everything positively. And everyone wants to be around those sunshine yellow people. I'm sure everyone has also heard the mood hoovers as well. And everyone probably knows a mood hoover, but those people just don't necessarily, you just don't necessarily want to be around them. They can be a bit downbeat all the time. I think think that if you can be a really sunshine yellow person on the core, then you're going to build rapport really quickly. But I think you're absolutely right, Matt. You've got to be genuine. You've got to have a genuine belief that what you're selling is really important. And it's really important to the decision maker. And it's really important that they get the message because actually it's going to make a difference to their business in one way or another. I think you're right. You're right, Matt. Tone of voice is so... Just on that point, sorry, Lila, is the negative on tonality and we mentioned this previously like if you sound like a robot like this is just another call it's another tick box that you're going to have to make if you come across that in that way again these gatekeepers have received tens of calls every day with that same tone hi it's in a calling from Lada. Can, can you put me through to the person that deals with it like they've heard it so many times you have to go on with every call like it's your first like you're excited, like you're looking forward to making this a change for their business. That really comes across on the calls that you make. So yeah, mindset, every single call, tonality, every single call. Yeah. And I think particularly if you're new to sales, it can be really difficult to have that confidence as well in your tone of voice. I think sometimes you can get a little bit lost, particularly if you just had a rejection. In sales, rejection is part of the course, isn't it? You've just got to skip yourself back up again and treat every call as if it's a brand new call. So your last call of the day has just as much energy as your first call of the day. And it's daunting if you're entry-level sales to be speaking to senior decision makers, we do try and get that confidence across by knowing what you're selling, by being confident in your pitch, by knowing your product inside out. If someone's trying to sell me some marketing software, I could probably run rings around them in terms of marketing knowledge and that sort of thing, but I won't know their product. I won't know their product inside out. And that's where the confidence is. Don't pretend to be something that you're not because most decision makers can see right through that. So Absolutely. Knowing your product. Absolutely. And also with that, Lila, is knowing the product, but also knowing what the product can do for that company, how it can be so transforming for their business. If you're new to sales and you don't know the ins and outs and you don't know how this works with this or how that, if you deep down understand that this product could change their company, it could help pay for new sales staff that they're after. It could help pay for the new marketing software that they're looking to buy. It could help them not go under. Do you go on with that authority every time you pick up the phone? Because that's the authority that we should be going on the call with, even if we don't know everything about the product that we're trying to sell because we're new to the business. But knowing what the resource and the money that could bring for that organization should come across on those calls. Absolutely. So I've just got one, one last question here, and that is, how can you reach the most decision makers in the shortest amount of time to maximize your results? I know that's a big question. Okay, yeah. And this will come back to that point of 
do we label this how to avoid the gatekeepers? Because there, there are, whether we go onto LinkedIn, there are email tools out there, there are contact tools that are embedded within the lead forensic software that would give you named decision makers, their direct email addresses, their direct phone numbers, and we should be using tools like lead forensics to obtain that data. Because as much as there's a cost to those tools, we will save money in the long term for the time that it's going to save. Another thought that I had on another podcast that I listened to was don't be scared as salespeople to invest in these resources yourself as well. If your business is not willing to do, don't be scared. Look at investing in yourself. Because if you were to invest into a product that's going to help you with your day-to-day job role, and it's going to help you get the data that you need to engage with these organizations, how much more value would those each individual bits of data have if you've bought them yourself? We can be very quick to burn through data, to just call it. If we don't get through to someone, we just dead that bit of data off and we move on to the next one. That's very valuable to the company, but it's no real value to us because we haven't invested the time or effort into it. So another thought is, look, there are, again, tools. Please engage with either Lila or myself on LinkedIn or email or however you want to engage with us. But we can certainly point you in that direction as well, for sure. But as I say, if we can avoid gatekeepers, number one, the tools and resources out there, and we should be then speaking to them directly and then engaging with the sales pitch. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm conscious of time, so I'm just going to come on to the final point here. What I'll do, Matt, is I'll just allow you to wrap up because I know that you've got almost like a little acronym for everyone to take away. Thank you very much. Yeah, again, listening to the podcast that I do and the coaching that I've had in the past many years, I'm always given like an acronym or like the the five R's to this or the five P's to this. So I thought I'd come up with my own. So I spent a little time thinking about the word cold. And what I've come up with is this here. So if we could take anything away today, the view is it's about this cold calling piece. And looking at the word cold, from cold calling, we need to know our cadence. We need to know what our matrix look like. So how many calls or dials does it take to speak to a decision maker? How many calls does it take to get by the gatekeeper? How many calls do I need to make to do this? And by knowing those matrix, we are able to then up upskill in area of weakness. It's crucial because actually there'll probably be only one area that we need a small bit of coaching in that will make a huge amount of difference to us. So cadence is really important. Organization, I've mentioned this, I think a few times on the call today. When the gatekeeper says to us, call us back at a certain time, we need to make sure that this happens because that's gonna build that relationship that we're after with this gate. We, we need to prepare our data on a daily basis. So we need to make sure we're organized in the morning, looking over our data, finding out names and job titles so we can speak to those decision makers immediately. The language, L, are we talking with authority on these calls? Are we actually getting across the product or service that our company is offering and the drive? Do we have drive? Do we have drive every time, every day that we get into the office? When we're about to make that first call, do we have the drive to get to that decision maker. When we make our 150th call, do we still have that same drive? Because all these things are crucial every single time that we turn up to work, 
that we make sure that we follow. I don't know how to put this, Lila. I was going to say our cold, but that doesn't sound right, does it? I should have role played that bit. So like a that's a it. That's it. Thank you. So cold, that's where it is. And by the way, guys, if you come across just even one of these, if one of these you can upskill in, then I believe we've done our job right here today, Lila. If it's just in cadence and you can start being better in lowering your stats, or it's organization, you go off and be more organized, or language or drive. If it's just one thing, that's great. You guys will be more successful. But you need to do something. If you come off this webinar and do nothing about it, you probably should have spent your time making more cold calls. So do something about it, upskill yourself, learn about it, and you will become better versions of yourselves. So I think that's really easy to remember. So cadence, organization, language, and drive. I think you just keep that front of mind when you're on every single one of those calls. So if it's a tech that you can use, different tactics that you can use, I really like the idea of analyzing the time of day when you get the most success and then doing blitz calls through your pipeline because there's always data that you can leverage to give yourself further further insight. But I think to, to be able to do that, you've got to get on top of your cadence and your organization. And I think the language is obviously, it comes with, with time and learning. And I know, Matt, that you're really a keen advocate on learning all the time. There's lots of podcasts that you subscribe to on there and you listen to those on the way to the office in the morning. Yeah forever learning absolutely just to wrap up then thank you matt i found that really useful i actually took a page of notes myself so i'm hoping that anyone who works in sales put down a few notes and frantically and there'll be a few takeaways there so thank you so much for your time we hope you found it to be helpful matt do you have any closing thoughts at all just remember cold every day thank you so much